This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, gone! Go hey, gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise, here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, A's fans. For the last edition of A's Cast Live from the Treehouse, it is happy hour. Hard to believe this is it. We just have three games left at home, and then the season is over for the 2020 three homestand we got six games left uh on the road but yes hard to believe this is it come see us in the treehouse this is the last time we can see you face to face shake hands hug and say goodbye until we see you next year so come by and see us if you're out in the parking lot listening if you're watching come see us here in the treehouse we have a great show for you today David Feldman, our ace historian, is going to be by because there has been some historic stuff. Obviously, there's been bad, but there's also been good. So, And also uh, talk a lot to David about the future and where the A's are going. And then we're going to have the Mark Kotze show coming up here at 530. It's our last time to interview him face-to-face because our our very, very last time of the season, he's going to be down in Anaheim on on Friday. So we'll have the Mark Kotze show. Dave Feldman, our A's historian, is stopping by. And Lawrence Butler. And Lawrence. I forgot. The law. The law is stopping by. Do we know what time the law is stopping by so our fans can know when Lawrence Butler is stopping by. I'm just going to go off of our history of being up here, and it's going to be somewhere between 445 and 5. We're going to say 445-ish. Yeah, somewhere in there. That, 445. That vicinity. Tell them the story about how this went down. Oh, they, they, I was asked uh, if we wanted Lawrence Butler because all the pitchers that were on the list of people we requested uh, were unavailable for pregame work. And I was asked, do you want Lawrence Butler? Am I supposed to respond, no? Huh. Do I want one of the relievers or do I want Lawrence Butler? <laughs> really? Like, yeah. Really? Yeah, we're, do we want one of the young up-and-coming position players or a guy that we've already had on numerous times? All right, I'm fired up today because this is something that excites me. And first, just let me tell you, I'll give you just kind of lead you into where I'm going here, and, and, and it's because of like numbers like Zach Geloff. Did you know that Zach Geloff has a seven-game hitting streak? He's hitting 362 home runs. We get all of that. Since making his Major League debut on July 4th, Geloff's 13 steals are tied for for 15th in Major League Baseball. His 141 weighted weighted runs created plus is 32nd in the game. If you combine AAA and the big leagues, 25 homers, 35 stolen bases, and 129 games. 
They he was being compared earlier today on MLB Network against some of the guys that have come up July, August, and have a little bit, basically half a season or so. Zach Geloff, by far, at 23 years old, is better than all the guys that they, he was being compared to. Do you or do you not like OPS Plus? Uh, yes. OPS Plus, 100 and above. The more above 100, 100 is your bottom level. Anything under 100 means you're not any good. Anything above, now we're talking. He is at a 145 OPS plus. That means you take his on base. That means you take his slugging, and you're going to look at ballpark factors, other players, the, the time that he's playing in right now. OPS plus, he's at 145. That's massive. Yeah, that's pretty good one. For, for a player that's just come up and he's learning the league and he's so young, 145? And you look like, for context, like I was looking earlier, Freddie Freeman and Matt Olson, they're at like 162 and 160-ish right in there because it was the whole thing we, you and I were that's talking about. That's balling. Yeah, that's really like good. Like you get at plus one, plus like 170 plus, you're now getting into super, super Barry territory. Like what it, I mean, Barry got up to over 200, but you get up over 170, 180, you're, you're beyond, you're, you're star of stars. Like right now, uh, Mookie Betts is at 166. And I'm going to pull up. Uh, Bonds got to over 200, right? Uh, let me pull up Barry Bonds. I was going to say I could look and see what. Uh, Just to kind of give you an idea, Super Barry, PEDs, it's the greatest player we've ever seen with our own eyes. No question was Barry Bonds when he was with the Giants and he's juicing. <sighs> he, the year that he hit in 2002 when he hit 370, that was the year after he hit 73 home runs, his, OP, his OPS plus was not that great. It was only 268. <laughs> it was actually up. From, That's from, 100 points higher than Mookie Betts yeah. right now. It was actually up from the year he had 73 home runs. All right, he had 73 home runs. What was his OPS plus? 259. <laughs> Mookie Betts is, I don't know. I mean, I, who's the favorite? I don't know. MGM's been going back and forth on who's the favorite for the MVP between him and Ronald Acuna Jr. Both guys deserving. It's like. 1A, 1B, however you want to see it. The fact that Super Barry, as great of a year as Mookie Betts has had, Super Barry was 100 points higher than that. <laughs> like right now, uh, Shohei Otani, for when he played, his is 184. Yeah, now I'm sniffing Super Barry. Yeah, uh, I, was, I thought Super I knew Super Barry was over 200. I didn't realize it was that high. Let's see. Let's just real quick. Let's see what Aaron Judge's was last year when he hit the 62 home runs. Not even close to Bonds. Well, I'm just looking if it's even going to be higher than what uh, Shohei Otani has this year. Can you imagine if Bonds pitched to, like, Shohei Otani, what Bonds' numbers would be? Well, uh, Obviously, OPS Plus would not matter on on pitching. But can you imagine what Bonds' war would be if if Bonds made 25 starts in a year? Oh, yeah. yeah. And you threw in what he did offensively. Uh, Bonds' war could be what, like 25, 30 in a season? It would be pretty high, yeah. Uh, Aaron Judge's OPS Plus last year was 211. Not even sniffing Super Barry still. It's not even sniffing the year that he had the Ah, the, the 73 homers. All right, I wanted to bring this up because it's a – I've not been able to read it yet. Joel Sherman, who is the white whale for Commander Cody and guest. We've had everybody. If you've worked and have any prominent role at MLB Network, you've been on this program. Like, we we make sure we get their notes every day. We, We got everything they got. Joel Sherman has been from the New York Post, who I like a lot. I, I like reading him. Uh, I think he's, a, he's turned into a very good broadcaster. You know that he 
He is not what we're seeing in today's media, where today's media is just garbage. From what I grew up as a basically a journalism major, what we have today, the fact that the old joke that we used to have, don't let facts get in the way of a good story, that's the way the media is now. Everything's clickbait. Everything is we're trying to get numbers. You don't have to be factual. Even if you're not factual, you don't even have to apologize. You're not going to lose your job. I mean, the media, they're, they're giving you what you want to hear on a daily basis. Local news, national news, sports, politics. It's disgusting. I had a professor by the name of Bob Rucker. Look it up. He's one of the original anchors of CNN. Back when CNN was all about 24-7 news and giving you the best news coverage, I was so fortunate to have him as an instructor and what we learned from him about being right, about being credible. I know I joke and I'm sarcastic and all that, but I'm not giving you false info. Now, there's a difference between when you're reporting and giving opinion, but I'm not going to give you false info to try and boost my ratings. You're seeing that so much. It's disgusting. Joel Sherman is one of the guys that we still have who is an old journalist at heart. So I respect him. And I haven't read the article, but they talked about it on MLB Network today. A quote from an executive, and then I will get into a guy by the name of Bob Costas. Has anybody heard of Bob Costas? Pretty well-known. Slow broadcast. Feldman, you ever heard of Bob Costas? He's this some guy from St. Louis. He's the Olympics guy, right? Or was? Did he do Olympics? Think he, yeah. <laughs> I remember him doing, like, Syracuse football. Did he do anything big? All right, here is the quote from the article in the New York Post. The quote, the game is changing with the new rules. Everyone is trying to get younger and more athletic. Here is the one thing I can guarantee you are not getting younger and more athletic in free agency. And it got me thinking on the way up. And that it makes me happy and it gives me hope. What gives me hope is that we are now starting to come out of the money ball era. I'm saying that on an A's show in the A's treehouse. I'm saying it to you. We are coming out of the money ball era. Finally, it served its purpose. It changed the game. But now we are coming out of it because in the end, it wasn't healthy. It was a way. And what always bothers me, and Dave Feldman lived it just like I lived it, for all of us who worked around it, we have heard a lot of people talk about what teams with money trying to do money ball. Remember, Billy Bean did this out of necessity. Billy Bean did everything he did because he had to. It's all that he had. He had to try something different. That's why I always say Billy Bean is the Jack Sparrow, if you followed the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He's the Jack Sparrow of baseball. He's the pirate. He's not always going to win, and he's not always going to lose. But in the end, he's going to come out on top at the end of the movie. And he's never going to be king. He's never going to be ruler. But he's Jack Sparrow. He's the star. Billy Bean was the pirate. He didn't want to be. But he had to be. 
And then now all these teams and all these years and these kids, they read the book, they they saw the movie, they went to college, they went to Ivy League, they went to MIT, they went to Stanford, and they all went, hey, nerds in baseball, we can be, we can be nerds in baseball and make a living and we can have power and we can make moves and we can do all this. We can be, look, Billy Bean did it. Even though Billy Bean wasn't a nerd, he was a former player. And the only reason why I use the word nerd is because that's what, you know, Saris calls himself and his brethren the nerds of baseball. But Billy Bean had to do it. And now everybody wanted it because that's what we want in business. What do we want in business? We want to be highly productive and make as much money as possible. I can tell you that in the business that I am, the restaurant business. I want to sell as much food as I possibly can and pay the very least amount I have for the food to then serve to the customers. I want to keep my employment down. I don't want to pay employees all my profits. I want to keep everything down and sell as much so my brother and I make as much as we possibly can. That's business. I want to make as much money as I possibly can. That's why you get into business. And sometimes I see stuff and hear stuff, and especially stuff about this organization, like, yeah, welcome to business. I'm trying to make as much money as I possibly can. That's the name of the game, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's tech, whether it's banking, whether it's construction, whether it's real estate, you name it. Any kind of business, everybody is trying to make as much money as they possibly can without giving it away. But I have hope. Because it went too far. It's gone completely too far. I have hope. We are coming out of the Moneyball era. And that baseball was smart. Baseball, we just got sent this whole email about time of games. You realize the average NBA game is two hours and 16 minutes? Two hours and 16 minutes. I know when I go to a game, I get in my seat, I watch the biggest, most, most athletic athletes on the planet running, jumping, threes, dunks, pointing into the stands. They're shooting T-shirts, cheerleaders everywhere, loud music. It's a party. Every NBA game, teams good or bad, they're shooting stuff into the stands. Kids are happy. They're giving away pizzas to sections. It's entertainment, but it's two hours and 16 minutes. By the way, we're in the seventh inning. If this was an NBA game, people are in their cars and are already going home. We're still slugging it out here. Thank God for the new, new rules of time. We were slugging it out for three hours and 40 minutes. By the way, NBA game, game's over. You're already home and asleep getting ready for work the next day. But getting back to getting out of the money ball era, it served its purpose. But now what are we learning? You better be athletic. You better be getting younger. And Bob Costas said this because Joel Sherman said, listen, for the New York Post, I watch a lot of Yankees and I watch a lot of Mets. And since I watch a lot of Yankees, I'm watching the Orioles and the Yankees. Just two years ago, the Orioles were bad. And don't tell me this was all the Orioles tanking and drafting because you know what? We all could have had Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson is their best player. Adley Rushman, yes, leader, rock, but their best physical athlete player is Gunnar Henderson. We could have had him. We didn't take him, Cody. Why? Because we took Logan Davidson? Because we took Logan Davidson out of Clemson. So whenever we get into this Astros and Cubs and now Orioles about tanking led the way, you always can go, wait a minute. I could have had that guy. There's always, but you always, I mean, there, there's certain, like Adley Rushman was 1-1. You're not getting that guy. But other guys that they had, Santander was an, was an Indians kid. Yeah. Right? 
You can go through their lineup. Cedric Mullins, you go through their lineup. I mean, we could have had Gunnar Henderson. He could be, I mean, the guy can play all over the diamond, super athletic. He's got power. He's got everything you want in a player. We could have had him, but no, we took Logan Davidson, who's still sitting in AAA. But what Joel Sherman said watching the Yankees, he goes, you can tell one team's playing a different game. Yankees are old. They're slow. Even the new guys they bring up aren't super athletic. Because all they've cared about, and we've learned from Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist, everything is about harder. Throw harder, hit harder. That's all they care about. They want to know how hard you're hitting the baseball. They want to know about exit velocities. They want to know about barrel rates, barrel this, barrel that, launch angle, pitchers, velocity, velocity, velocity. And you know what? Bob Costas said, problem with the New York Yankees. This is Bob Costas. He said, they're not playing the modern-day game. And I went, boom. The modern-day game was Moneyball. But here we are in 2023, about to go to 2024, an executive, a big-name executive is saying, listen, you want to get younger, you want to get athletic, and you want to compete today, don't go to free agency because you're just getting older and more expensive, and you're getting stuck with contracts. We are coming out of the money ball era, and now it's about athletes again, and that's what makes us all love our great game. Moneyball served its purpose, but right now the game is changing. Now what we're going to call modern-day baseball, because what was Moneyball? Walk, walk, home run, strikeout. Eh, we don't care about strikeouts. Walk, walk, home run. Eh, we don't care about strikeouts. They didn't care about strikeouts. Does it matter if I ground out or strikeout or blah, blah, blah? We just walk, home run, walk, home run. You play the walk, home run, three true outcome game, you're now not modern-day baseball. You're Moneyball era baseball, and we're getting out of that. You want to compete? Because look at our teams. We got swallowed up like a goldfish in postseason. Oh, but look during the regular season, what did we do? We hit home runs and we walked. 2012, no team in baseball hit more home runs than the Oakland Athletics from June 5th on. We had the most home runs and the best record. Chase down, chase down the uh, Texas Rangers. Then we didn't hit. And in the playoffs in 12, we didn't hit in 13. And God knows, 14 was a disaster with the wild card. What did we do in 18 and 19 in the wild card? Nothing. 2020, odd year. Finally beat the Chicago White Sox, but then lost to the Houston Astros in the playoffs, who were an under 500 team in the 60-game schedule. We looked small. During the regular season, hitting home runs, we're walking, taking pitches, and hitting home runs. We look under Bob Melvin, we looked like a formidable bunch. But we got in the postseason, swallowed up. You've got to get younger and athletic, and you've got to do a lot of things right. Building a team that can't play defense, that just walks and hits home runs, that's not modern-day baseball. Coming up next, our A's historian, Dave Feldman, as we get you ready for the A's and the Tigers. And we got a lot of baseball to talk about right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Dot com. A's Cast Live continues from the Treehouse. Here's Chris Townsend. Our A's historian Dave Feldman joins us here on A's Cast Live. We will not be doing a top ten no. today, unless you want to do like top ten treehouse moments. Oh. <laughs> there was a there was a there was a heck of a game back there a couple of years ago. That was pretty good. Um, what could we do top ten? You know, this year there is no top ten. It's bottom ten, and. Uh, you talk about truth in journalism, as you yes. talk about. I mean, the truth of the matter is this is the worst season in Oakland athletics history. You just told me something. It's just shocking because, I, I, you know, when you live this thing every day and you keep score. And, and by the way, he is so big leading us today. Look at this. Yeah. The official, Major League Baseball official score. He just didn't come up here as an A's historian. He came up here because he's scoring the game today. He's the official score. He's the gatekeeper of the game. Yeah, yeah. And for 30 bucks, you can get a shirt just like this. <laughs> can I really? Can I, we buy I, that? I think Can so. I buy that for Cody for Christmas? <laughs> That'd be a nice Christmas gift for him. Um, so when you do a day-to-day, you kind of don't think, unless it's like unless it's like a lot of runs, a lot of wins, or a player's going off. I just don't think about, hey, you know, we haven't had the lead in eight games. Like, you just don't think about it. You just say, another loss, and you go to another day. Tell me, tell our tell our audience what you just told me. So during this eight game losing streak, the Athletics have had they have not had the lead once. One they have time. gone eight consecutive games without the lead. That is the first time in Athletics franchise history, a proud franchise that started in 1901, they have gone eight games without the lead. Three times previously, they've gone seven games. 1960 when they were in Kansas City. 1945, 1918, but never eight games without a lead. And, and to me, this eight-game stretch, um, starting with the game in Houston and then this whole homestand, this is the worst the A's have played all year, which is a shame because they actually started off September playing really well, uh, winning those two games in Houston, even winning a game in Texas. Um, but now this is just eight games without the lead, not being in a game. This is the worst stretch of baseball a very bad baseball team has played. 1901. 1901. Where were you in 1901? 1901. I was. I was. I was just a, just a thought. In just a wee mind. lad back then. I. I mean, that's hard. I mean, that's hard to believe. 1901. Yeah. Dating back, we we, not not one time. Not one time. It was four three A's. No, I mean, one just nothing. Even get get a run. Get a run here. Get a score in the wow. first inning. Shut them It's just, and that's what's been frustrating about this stretch of games is that they just haven't been in them. And they've gotten some good pitchings at times, right? And then the bullpen will come in, and they give up a bunch of runs, and then the game just gets out of hand. And the A's are always chasing these games. And as we've known from this whole year, as an offense, this is not a prolific offense. This is not a rallying offense that puts a lot of runs together. It's not a comeback team. This has been just a struggle. And it's, it's to me, like I said, this is the worst stretch of the season. And as I just mentioned, of all the teams that I've watched this year, even though the A's have lost 107 games, this is not the worst baseball team I've seen. I still believe the Colorado Rockies are the worst team I've seen this year. Yes, they have 10 more wins than the Athletics. But watching them play, they are bad. That's a bad team. Nolan Jones in center field, terrific player. I'd take him any day. Do you know he's throwing the ball it. like 98 miles an hour? <laughs> like I saw that, that. And that's kind of the cool thing, even though 98 miles an hour from an outfielder 
is great, but if he's not throwing it <laughs> accurately, it has no bearing. It d- just means he throws the ball hard to the wrong base, to the, doesn't to throw it to the cough man. But the fact that he's throwing 98 miles an hour from the outfield is insane. On a line. He had an assist in San Francisco when, they were, when the Rockies were playing there from center field, from mid-center field, on the line, to the catcher, on the fly, out, 101 miles an hour. In the By the way, another Guardians. It is amazing the amount of Indians slash Guardians that are all over the league yeah. that you go, man, if they had these guys, like the kid that's being brought up in uh, in Tampa. The double-A guy? Uh, Kevin, Kevin Ariel? Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's from the Guardians. Yeah, he's like, starting in the lineup today. There's like yeah. Guardians everywhere. It's like they've been known for pitching, but if you just would have kept these guys, you'd have an incredible lineup. Right. But, but, but to me, so the Rockies, I think, are still – I'd rather have the A's future than the Rockies' future. I, I'm a believer in Zach Geloff, right? And I think every, we all have to be at this point. I mean, he's given us no reason to believe he's not going to be a stud player. Um, the other young players for the A's, we're, there's going to be growing pains. I mean, Soderstrom's 21 years old. He's, he's learning. He needs to square the ball up. Lawrence Butler needs to square the ball up, and you're going to have him on. I think that's an interesting thing to talk to him about. It's just how hard it is at this level to square a ball up consistently. We've seen it when it happens, right? We've seen those balls fly. It doesn't happen very often. But how hard is it? What's the difference between AAA pitching and Major League pitching? He's going to be able to tell you because he's, he's going through it right now. Yeah. And then we've seen a couple, you know, Joy, Joe Boyle was, it was a nice first three innings that we saw. Uh, Joey Estes has some moxie. Where the A's are deficient is pitching. We know that in the system they have a deficiency. They're going to have to do something to rectify that. But the A's position players, I believe, are going the right track. I think, I, like I said, I take the A's future over the Rockies' future. You know, it's so funny when we talk about that, the deficiency is pitching. It's so funny because it's everybody's deficiency. It is. It's like these days of, oh, my God, look at this young crop. Uh, we, we joke about it all the time because Jason Isringhausen kind of reminds me of a Mason Miller in a way, <laughs> yeah. and that was Pulsiver and Wilson. Remember, they had their big three. Everybody wants a big three and everything. Like the days of, I mean, with so many UCLA, UCL, I say UCLA, with so many UCL injuries and so many guys going down and the fact that Perry Manassian, who told us on SiriusXM, he was doing the interview, says, hey, the average team's going to use 13 pitchers. Starting pitchers in a season, my God, the Giants with the opener have used how many? We've used how many? So it's like, it's hard to say, I've got a core of young pitchers because everybody's deficient pitching. It is. It's tough. And the Giants across the Bay have proved you cannot go through a season with two starting pitchers. It's just not feasible. It doesn't work. Yeah, it works for a short term, but for six months, it doesn't. You need horses. You need starters. And there is a lack of them. And I was talking to, um, we were in San Francisco with Roxy Bernstein, and talking to the ESPN people and saying, why is there an efficiency? What's happening? And a lot of it is just the way pitchers are being brought up. And we, we saw it uh, where pitchers are going six innings and they're happy about it. Right? That's the change in mentality. That's they're, how pitchers They're not are only happy about it. They feel, I'm done. I'm done. I've given you six, and you could say, well, you threw 88 pitches. No, no, I gave you six. I'm done. I mean, Blake Snell has a no-hitter for seven innings. Blake Snell, former Cy Young winner, possibly Cy Young a winner again. Seven inning no hitter, 103 pitches, I think it was, 103, 104. I'm done. What? what? And, he, and, and he doesn't have a postseason to worry about. You're, exactly. You're saving him for nothing, and he's leaving the organization probably after the year. Yeah, well, what are we saving him for? Why wouldn't you want a, your shot at history? You have a shot at history. A no, go for it. Now, 
the the doubters will say, well, look what happened to Alex Cobb in San Francisco. They let him go for the no-hitter, 130-plus pitches, and then he hurt his hip and he's done. It's not the doubters. It's the analytics. It's people. a lot of the analytics. It's but the my, analytics you know people. my thing with injuries, and I, I firmly believe this to this day, if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. It doesn't matter if we baby you or not. If you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. Mason Miller, great example for the A's, right? He had a seven-inning no-hitter and came out, which still frustrates me. Again, he thought that was okay, too, because he's been brought up that way mentally. But the A's were protecting him. Well, what happens two starts later? He's hurt. hurt. Yeah. There's no proof. There's no, there's no orthopedic surgeon that is going to come out and say, okay, here's what. Still allow them to throw 100% max, six gear as fast as you can, pitch them less, and that will keep them healthy. There's nobody no. that's going to sign. They can't figure it. No one can figure If they knew the answer, we'd have so many studies on it. This person would be getting – I mean, you would get so much praise. No one has figured out how to keep – they went with the strategy and they continued to go with the strategy, less is more, but that's not proving it's right. It's not, and, and I look back – I was looking back at the Orioles in 1978. That was a team that went 11-0 and against the Athletics. So well, let's take a look at their pitching staff. They used a four-man rotation that year, right? Mike Flanagan, Jim Palmer, Scott McGregor, Scott McGregor. and Dennis Martinez. El Presidente. Right? All have 35-plus starts, all go 270, 280 innings. Uh, that's all they needed. Now, yes, did they, were they throwing 96, 97 miles an hour? No, but nobody was back then. It was different. But they were still able to pitch that often and throw that many innings, and they were fine. And they were able to go through it. The next year they won the World Series. These same guys. We baby these guys with the analytics and all this and the mentality. It's, the mentality really gets me. Right? You were a pitcher. You were a college pitcher. And you knew when you were starting your job was to get 27 outs. And if you got less than that, that's not good. I had there was times when that's why I'm always the guy that's got to be the, the the middle guy because when you're young you know you know when you come up and you go from high school and now you're playing in college you're so young compared to these guys who are seniors and sophomores and guys who are getting drafted that you got slotted into a relief role and since I had been a starter I was the guy oh hey he can throw 3 4 innings and it's hard but yeah in those 3 4 innings I could throw the amount of pitches that these guys are throwing today that you're taking them out. Like, no one was going, oh, he's at 60 pitches. We got problems. It was like, is he getting outs? Is he effective? Keep rolling. I, what scares me when we were at the San Jose Giants-Stockton Ports game recently is the San Jose Giants guy went three innings, and next thing you know, you're like, where'd he go? <laughs> so how are you getting better as a professional athlete? Three innings every six days. Yeah. You're hardly getting to work on your craft. That would scare me as a professional athlete going, I want to be the greatest I possibly can be. How can I be great if I'm only going three innings every six days? Yeah, that scare me. And I don't want to be, you know, the old man, get off my lawn in my day. We did Come this on, and that. Come on, Clint. Let it go. No, I, I don't believe in that. I just don't think this is the way to build winning teams. Houston Astros, right, they built it with a rotation. They've used the fewest amount of players this year. Right? And they're going to probably win the AOS because Seattle and Texas are going to knock each other off in these next seven games. Uh, they're showing that if you have stud starters who you let them pitch, it's going to be successful. And that's the mentality you have to have. That is still the way to win. The Atlanta Braves have the same rotation. They've had it almost the same, the same guys all year. That's how you win. 
you have to build that mentality and build from that rotation. I, I just that's where it all starts for, from. You look at the A's teams and when they were successful, where did it come from? It came from the starting rotation. The one total outlier in all this was 2018 when they had no starters at all and it was all bullpen based. But well, other than that, it's the starters. Twelve was interesting with starters. Well, that was all. There's all rookie. Thirteen. <laughs> you're all well, rookie. Yeah, that's what, it's it's always and, and that's what I want to get away from is the whole hodgepodge and that's what gets me about the salary thing is when you were always let's just take like a number of ninety million when you have ninety million you do have the ability to constantly be shipping people right and you can give a little money take a little money ship him here ship him here da da and they'd always do that until they found something that stuck and they'd go with it. But when all of a sudden you don't have that money and you now have to rely on your drafting, your international signings, like what you have done as a front office, you can't always, because the A's have been masters at looking at other people's organizations, sure. finding other people's players and bringing them over and making it work. Well, now you got to make your, the A's are in a spot right now, your players, your signings have to work. Yeah, and that's. And that's where the success has come, too. When you look back through these A's history in Oakland, it's been homegrown guys that have been the key. Now, the A's, they traded their homegrown guys in Chapman and Olsen, and they got a lot of prospects. We're not seeing a huge payoff in that yet. There's still time. There's still years to go before we're going to get a final say on this. But right now, in the short term, it hasn't been great. And so you're back to relying on the guys that you drafted and the guys you're developing. And, you know, again, with, with, with Geloff and Butler and Denzel Clark behind them and you know, Hernais we got in the Irvin trade, and I'm really interested to see Hernais because I think he's he's a good player. But but Harris, the third baseman, is also down there who was also our draft pick, so it's going to be interesting how they deal with those two guys. Don't you like, though, that there is fights that are going to yeah. happen in spring training? Competitive. Like, like legitimate. I always go the, the hardball, iron sharpens iron. You're going to have competition inside the building for all of these yep. spots that to me, and and even pitching, you're going to have a whole list of guys that you're going to say, let's go, and whoever doesn't make it, you go to AAA, but no, you're in AAA, you're going to get an opportunity. Everybody's going to get a shot. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting in the offseason to see what they do with their, their arbitration players, with the players they invite to spring training. They're so young, they're not really losing anything, right? They're going to lose Tony Kemp to free agency, and they'll lose Trevor May to free agency. Everybody else is under their control. See what they want to do and how they're going to go about it. Uh, there's not a lot of real trade pieces. I don't see them making trades and bringing people in. Um, this is what we got, and we got to build from this. But I'm still excited about it because I, I like our position players. I like the position players that are coming. Guys like Max Muncie, who had a very good year. They're coming. They're going to be good players. Pitching's an issue, and it's just that's what it is. It's an issue. Like you said, it's an issue around the league. Yeah. It's definitely an issue in, in the Oakland Athletics organization. I do want to get into college football because it has started, and I do want to get into your opinion on how you felt, where you are now, and how you see the future. But you had a rebuttal to what I had to say. You want to rip Bob Costas, go ahead. <laughs> no. I, I, I believe in Bob Costas, and, and, and I've worked with Bob Costas. I've got to know him a little bit, um, and he's, he's a very smart man, and he's seen a lot. And, no, I, I agree with, with some of what he says. I, what I take exception to you is what you're saying about the media. Ah. I think the media in a whole does a very good job. I think the guys who have been around, who are veterans, are solid reporters. And I mentioned to you, John Shea of the Chronicle, who has been all over this A's and the MLB and the move and all that. Another great article just dropped today about it. Uh, he does his work. He does his legwork, and he talks to everybody. And he takes 
very seriously, to be correct. There are guys like that. There's not, though. There are. He's it. No, he's not. We it. don't. We don't have a baseball columnist other than John Shea. Most of our columnists have all been retired because they got rid of them. It is very like our 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 newspaper business has been. You and I, when we were first starting in this business, we had the Oakland Tribune, we had the CC Times, we had all these different papers, we had all these different great writers and columnists and everything. A lot of that's gone. It is. And what, what we're missing is some of the gatekeeping as well. The editors who go through this stuff with a fine-tooth comb to make sure there are not mistakes. Because I, I cannot stand mistakes and reporting and things that get out there. Got to be the first on Twitter. No. Got to get out. Then if you're wrong or you didn't get it quite right, you don't retract just because you were the first out there and you want clicks. But there's got to be, you know, there's got to be research. I think The Athletic as a website and the stories that they do are very well done and very well thought out and very well vetted. For, for, for to make sure it's truthful. And I think there's a lot of good information there. I wish there was more hard-hitting journalism here. I think the teams need to be held more accountable. You see it a little bit on the Warriors beat and the Niners beat, right? The two marquee teams in the Bay Area. You see more attention and more questions asked. But on the baseball side, and it's been this way for a while, it's a little light. There's not a lot of hard-hitting questions even in winning times, of going after. It was nice to see Andrew Bagley of The Athletic kind of go after the Giants today and talk about you made this big thing about bringing Farhan back next year and bringing Kapler back. Well, maybe you shouldn't have said that because maybe you don't want to bring Kapler back because he's doing what he did in Philadelphia. He's having a bad end of the season, and this is why the owner in Philadelphia fired him because he has bad ends of the season. So I, I think... Now, is there this is, obviously when you say Niners, I go NFL. Yeah. NFL coverage, as we know, I worked in the NFL, you've worked around the NFL. It's just, it's different than everything else. Warriors, for now, for now, I say for now because of the run that they have been on. And also the NBA has seen. But also then when I say, okay, then we switch over to baseball, we switch over to Sharks and hockey. I, I just wonder, is it. Is it basically because of the sports that they're getting more? I think for the Warriors, it's because of their winning. When they go back, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but, you know, it will at some point. They're going to be bad again. You're going to see that level off, just like as it did before, before they were good. The Niners are different. I think the NFL is different. I think the attention and the – You have to give it the coverage. You, you have, have to. to. Yeah. And there's nothing – you know, the, if you look at the Chronicle website and the clicks that you get, it's all Niner-driven, and it has been for a while now. And that's, that's where the money is. That's where the sponsorship is, and that's never going to change. I don't think for a long time that's going to be your number one. Yeah, I had Matt Mayoko on my talk show for years when I was at 95-7 The Game, and we were going over this about how just it wasn't he, – he, you know, he's the most humble guy, and yeah. he does great work. But he said it's not because of me. It's because the Niners, and, and I get more more clicks because they know it's everything's data-driven in this world. They know – and in all my time with the Raiders, I mean, I did the Raiders for years. They were always bad, yeah. but we still had mass coverage. Like, if that was a baseball team, you've got no – like, how many times did Susan Slusser get taken off? We don't even have – I mean, other than Martin Gallegos, we don't even no. have a beat writer for a Major League Baseball team in the Oakland. No, San Francisco Chronicles staff. Which I'm fine with because you come here for A's. <laughs> the Chronicle staffed it with an intern for most of the year, and Sam Warren did the best job he could, but this is an intern. He doesn't really know. He doesn't know the history of baseball. He, a lot of factual mistakes when he's trying to relate things. But he's learning. But, yeah, they didn't have the coverage because there's not the demand for it. They can get away with it because no one's demanding it. you got to be good. You know, the funny thing about – you talk about meeting with the Warriors. When the Warriors 
really in the heyday of their championships, the members of the media were starting to feel it too. They were feeling like they were all stars. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because Twitter the, accounts are getting the whole bigger, thing. Yeah. Everyone's following them and calling for them. It's crazy. Hey, don't worry. I was there when well, I wasn't actually there, but I was covering it when Spree tro- choked Carlissimo. It was a whole different time. I oh, remember. I remember being the crown, the crown royal room. Doing post game on KMBR Warriors and drunks were screaming at me on the way out. I remember the good old Listen, days. if you know Vontigo Cummings, then you're then you're okay with me. <laughs> Give me Bimbo Coles and Bobby Sir Bobby any Sarah. day. Oh, um, God. Quickly, because we're gonna have Butler coming up. When I talk about, I liked what I heard today, and I'm calling it. I'm calling it coming out of the Moneyball era. What I like is I want to take from, let's play Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn. When we were growing up and he had so many great athletes, I like that we can do that and mix the power. Right. Our young, great, we're not everybody's choking up. And the fact that we can take a bunch of great athletes and give them the power, give them athleticism, athleticism play versus I can't, I, I can't start looking at a bunch of John Jahas. No. The, the strikeout, home run, walk guy. You can have a couple, but when you're building teams based on that, a lot like how the Yankees have, and they're finally a minute, you start looking like Jurassic Park. Yeah. You need athletes. I think, you know, Lawrence Butler coming up here, this is the next wave, and that's the athlete you want, big, strong guys who can do it all, can run, can hit, can throw. They're not one-tool players. I think that's, that's where the future is, and that's the, the more athletic teams. You watch the Atlanta Braves play, right? Matt Olson with his home runs, but he's also a gold glove first baseman. He can do more than that. Acuna joined the 40-40 club today. He's also the first player in the 40-50 club, in the 40-60 club. Then he's going to be the first member of the 40-70 club. I mean, this guy can do it all, power, speed, run. He's the, the unicorn. That's the player you're looking for. But Corbin Carroll in Arizona, he's the next guy like that. These guys are coming. And baseball's doing a much better job over the last seven to ten years of getting athletes to stay in baseball. Remember, for so long we were losing athletes to football and to, to basketball, we're getting them back now. And I think they're watching the game, they're enjoying the game, they're seeing, and we're getting athletes to stay in baseball, and we're starting to be, reap the, the benefits of that. All right, let's rapid fire real quick. Deion Sanders, good for college football. What have you seen? Fantastic for college football. Straight-up guy. When he was a baseball player, his teammates always talked about what a great guy he was in the clubhouse, that it wasn't prime time in the clubhouse. It was Deion in the clubhouse. And that's what he's brought to college football. Yeah, he's got the showmanship. He can sell, but he's been great doing with the media. He's been great in the locker room. He had that the thing with a Colorado State player who hurt his best player and Hunter. But he said, hey, forgive this guy. He's just a guy trying to play football. It's okay. He handles everything so well. I, I think he's been great. They're going to Oregon this week. Oregon is a top 10 football team. Oregon is going to beat Colorado. It's going to be interesting to see how Dion is after this game, if that in- does happen. All right, all the change. Is he here? He's here. All right, we will. You're not going anywhere. No, I'm still here. We will have you throughout the offseason. Our A's historian, Dave Feldman, let's just switch places. Thank you very much. Law, step on up. Switch this here. David Feldman will join us throughout the offseason. He does a great job being our A's historian and all the things that he does. Lawrence Butler is with us here on A's Cast Live. You know, they're telling us, they're like, yeah, pitchers are going to be in meetings. What do you think about Lawrence Butler? Like, hell yes, bring up Lawrence Butler. I always How are you? Chris on the A's Cast. How are we doing? I- I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing amazing. I'm doing amazing. So what has changed since the last time we have talked to you? You've gotten way more at-bats, way more games. What's different? Uh, you know, just 
just the grind of being in the big leagues, you know. You go out there facing the best of the best every day, no breaks, you know. Every pitcher's here for a reason. Every position player is here for a reason. So, you know, just just getting the mental um, prepared, you know, to go out there and just compete every day. Have you noticed from the time you've shown up to where you are now how different they attack you? Yeah, yeah. They they, they were kind of going – they were kind of going, like, away at first, start hitting them away, then they go in, then I start hitting them in, and then they go away. So they're, they're <laughs> basically just they're, you know, they're just trying to find a hole in the swing every every time I step to the plate. So, you know, but it's my job to be a pro and find out what the adjustment is and make that adjustment so I can be me. Yeah, we were just talking with David Feldman, who does a lot of television. He's also our A's historian. And he was, he was saying, you know, ask law about how, Hard it is to square up big league pitchers. Like yeah. it's one thing to survive, but what? How hard is it to really get that great contact and drive the ball off these guys who are trying to go after your weaknesses? Yeah, I mean it, it's not an easy task. Like I mean I don't know if you guys seen the Deion Sanders interview, but he said hitting the baseball is yeah. the hardest thing to do. So I mean, especially when you got guys throwing 96 with crazy movement, you know, balls going different ways changing up speeds, playing with different pitches. So, you know, it's, it's not easy, but, I mean, I'm here for a reason, so I believe I can do it. How's it going for you defensively? I'm having a lot of fun on defense. You know, I'm working with um, with um, Aldo, Bushy, you know, asking Cox things, you know, just trying to get better every day. You know, I'm getting more comfortable out there in center. So, I mean, I want to be the big league center fielder every day next year for the A's, so I'm just constantly working. And we want you to be the big league center fielder for the A's. <laughs> we talk about it on this show. I talk about it on the postgame show, taking the phone calls with the fans. Uh, everybody is very excited about you, especially in center field. I got to tell you, yesterday coming off the field, I've gotten to know Ryan Noda. Uh, it's going to be announced here. I, I'm not trying to break news because Mark Kotze told us earlier he got the Catfish Hunter Award. Yes, he did. And that's a big deal for a rookie to be a Rule 5 guy to get that. But I said to Noda, I said, you know, I want you guys to get tired of losing. I want you guys to get tired of what's been happening. I want you to get angry about it so it doesn't happen next year. And I want you guys to understand that this clubhouse is now your clubhouse. When we're talking about you, Geloff, Noda, are you getting that sense this is becoming your franchise? Yeah, shout out to Noda. He was the only rookie to ever win that award, mm -hmm. too. So shout out to him. And I mean, yeah, me, me Noda, and, so, um, and Zach talk about that all day, every day. And we're in the clubhouse. We're, we're chopping it up with Brownie and Kemp and just like, you know, we're tired of it. You know, we're we're losing. I mean, everybody sees we're losing. It's kind of embarrassing. It's not a great feeling. Like, we don't go in the clubhouse after a loss and just joke around. We're, we're pissed. So, I mean, we're, we're coming next year with a different mindset, a different attitude. You know, like, we're going to make teams just see us differently. We're not the same team we were last year or this year. Like, we're – we're coming back next year with, with some vengeance, so I'm, I'm really excited for next year. I'm really excited. This question really is for you at the end of the season, but you guys are going to be on the road, so we're not going to be able to talk to you. So just Anaheim, it's done. You're leaving from L.A. You're probably going back to Atlanta. Uh, you're going back to Georgia. What do you think are the number one things you've got to work on so you can be that number one guy in center field next year? Um, you know, I got a great, great mentor and great group of guys around me training. So I'm going to go back. Marquise, Marquise Grissom. Grissom. Shout out to Marquise. Great player. So I'm going to go there and just work with him, you know, just ask, ask some of the um, guys in the um, weight room about the, you know, metrics and how can I get better jumps, how can I get better routes. So, you know, 
always trying to get my arms stronger, you know. So I'm really just going off season, really work hard and, you know, just really hone in on, on the things what it like it really takes to be a gold glove big leaguer every day. I don't want to just be a big leaguer and center every day. I want to be a gold glove big leaguer and center every day. So that's what I'm really locked in and off season about. You want to be the best. I want to be the greatest. The that's greatest. what I'm talking about. Now, when we start talking about how you get better, up here, have you been able to use video more? Is there anything that they've been able to give you data-wise, video-wise to help you? What have you learned since you've been up here with technology? Um, see, so TK has really been teaching me how to use them iPads. They're very difficult. I know I'm young and I should know how to use them, but it's a lot of buttons. But, I mean, TK always helps me if it's a play like – I feel like I could have done something on if I, like, I could have got a better jump. I could have dove or, like, threw it to a different base. He's always the first one on the bench, pulled the play up. You know, we're going through it together. So next time I have that play, even during the game, I can, you know, handle the situation better. So, I mean, the video, the iPad is always useful. You know, always can see what you're doing on the field, like, in live time. So I like it a lot. What is the best part for you being in the big leagues? What's the best part about being here other than being on Ace Cast Live? <laughs> HCast is number one, but I have to say second is just, you know, just just playing against guys and playing in, in big league stadiums that you dream of as a little kid. Like, we're playing against Miguel Cabrera right now. Like, yeah. that's a Hall of Famer, 3,000 hits. I mean, what a career. Like, that's a, like when I'm looking at him in the box, I'm like, dang, like, that's that's who I want to be in 20 years or something like that. So Kind of crazy, yeah, right? you got to play a long exactly. time. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's like for you guys that come up and you've played certain players on video games and you've watched them for years and all of a sudden – I'm playing against exactly. this guy. Exactly. Like I'm. Like I remember. I, um, we were in Seattle, and like I always watched Goldsmith play with him on the game. I mean, not Seattle, St. Louis, and I always watched Goldsmith play him on the game. And he's just like, "Hey, bro, I like your swing. You know that that means something to me." Cause, yeah. Like, I mean, that's a guy I've watched growing up. You know, he's pretty cool, and for him to say that, that that means a lot. I remember being in Japan and getting in the elevator with Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. And I was like, it's Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? You kind you kind of freeze for a little minute. You like, wow. And I, like, and I wanted to say. Dude, I was just by your statue out front of Safeco or T-Mobile, whatever. It's Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, nah, those moments are those moments are some some cool surreal moments to have. You know, just being in the big leagues and you know just being around the type of guys we're around. You know, learning the knowledge they they've learned over their years and just passing it down to us, so like in the future we can do the same for the next generation. So that's pretty cool. All right, I've talked to Note about this. I've talked to Allen about this. I've talked to Geloff about this. We'll end on this. We want to talk to you during the offseason. We want to know what's going on. In years past, players went away. We'd see it some type of fan fest or spring training. I don't know if it's November, December, January. We want to just check in at some point. We're, we're going to call you and just check in to see how you're for doing. Sure, How's everything for sure. going? For sure. I love that. I always love coming on Ace Cast with you, Chris. You know, it's amazing. Um, which I got going on around here. So I, I love to answer the phone for you guys. Well, I'll tell you what, we view you as one of the pillars of what we're going to build this foundation on. Yes, sir. And so yes, sir. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done so far for us. Have a great off season, and uh, good luck. Train, because yeah. as you said, you want to be the best. We got a feeling, and we believe in you, and can't wait. really can't wait for next year. You guys yeah. are going to be a far better team I'm next year. You, been, that's all we talk about, isn't it? Like, we're just trying to finish this year strong, and we're coming back different next year. We're coming back different. Love to hear it. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live.
Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. That was fun. I'm excited. I know it sounds ridiculous to be excited at the end of the year. What's the record? Yeah, 46 and 107. But I'm going to tell you, just talking to the young guys, They got me excited, and I would I would not be saying that if I wasn't. I, I trust me. I got a whole thing of notes. I could be going. I could tell you. I could be ripping on the Giants. What is it now? Twenty six of thirty one road games they've lost. Oh, and they're under five hundred. I want to say it's twenty six of thirty one, right? Uh, yes. I mean, they are. I mean, there's all kinds of things. We starting tonight, the historic run in the AL West that we've talked a lot about, where. They're, it's all decided by a half game. We've never seen it. Three teams, half game or less, tend to go in the division since they started division play in 1969. Where were you in 1969? Well, I don't want to do negative years, but I would have been uh, negative 19. I was negative two. I went around <laughs> 1969. So it's like there, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, we could get, we could delve into Miguel Cabrera, Magrip, Miguel Cabrera's history. There's a lot of things that we could get into, but. We've been floating around today saying a lot of goodbyes because today is our last day doing A's Cast Live from the Coliseum because we don't do it on the weekends. We've got Monday off, and then it's to Minnesota for three and then end in Anaheim for three. So we went down into the skipper's office, did our last Marcate show live, I made it a point to go around the clubhouse to talk to a few guys and take you behind the curtain. We were in there, and we talked to, you call him Nicky Stickett. I call him Nicky Pickett. Nicky Lickett. Nicky, oh, Nicky Pie Shop. Nicky Pie Shop. We talked to Nick Allen <laughs> and now talked to Lawrence Speller, talked to Gillot. Number one thing I went over, though, is I had to talk to Ryan Noda. Ryan Noda, I don't know why, but we started talking in spring, and I went, I like this kid. I don't know if he's going to make the team. He's a Rule 5 guy. I mean, when a guy's a Rule 5 guy, you've got no idea if he's going to stay, will they sell him back, he's got to be up with the team, he's a little bit older, 
He's got a good eye. You see, because it's one of those things that all you can look at is stats. He's got size. Well, he came over and wowed us. You talk about like if it was like the NFL Combine and you're the coaches and you talk to a player and he's a player that not everybody's sold on, but you know he's a player that you're interested in, but you get to talk to him and you go, you know what, I'm writing in the notes. If he's available in the third round, we're taking him, right? Like one of those guys. And the more we started talking to him, the more you went, all right, kid with size, kid with confidence, good-looking kid. I mean, he's got he, – he's got – and I know the good-looking's not a part of it, but I'm thinking, man, we could sell this kid. And there, there's all these things, and I'm like, if he can play up to what he believes – because he told us, I can be a gold glover. I can be an everyday player. And I went – I could have gone two ways. I could have gone, oh, this kid's got a lot of confidence who he's kidding. Or, you know what? The way that I like to believe, the way I like to coach our staff and our kids, if you don't believe it, you can't do it. If you don't believe it, you can't do it. You have to believe in yourself. That's the person that matters. There's a reason why I got my little butt to where I got you think I was a darling when they looked at my size and that? Nope. I had to earn everything I got, but I had to believe I could get it. And I realized at some point, I'm not getting drafted. College, this is it for me. But I'm going to get my education paid for. My parents didn't have to pay for it. I took care of it. I'm proud of it. But I believed it. I wanted it. That's all I thought about is I want to play in college, I want to play in college, I want to play in college. That's all I put out into the universe. I thought about it every day. I slept it. I ate it. I could smell it. I, whatever it does, that's all I could think about. Put it into the universe. If you don't put it out there, if you don't believe it, and you can't put it into the universe, is it going to happen? I don't know. Probably not. Ryan Noda believes it. And what did he show us right out of the gate? He showed us a skill a lot of people don't have. The ability to know his strike zone. And it doesn't matter what level he's at. As Lawrence Butler was talking about how hard it is, the adjustments, the pitching, everything, he showed us how good his eye is. Then he showed us how good his glove is. Then he showed us how athletic he is. I mean, look how deep he would go into foul territory to get balls. We haven't seen that since Matt Olson. Yeah, yeah, I like the way he plays defense. Everything you said about spring training, him telling us how he's going to be a gold glover. His athleticism playing first. We've seen him play left. We, he knows he can play in the outfield. Yeah, the strikeouts are there, but he has, still has a great um, or a great uh, OPS. And it's a guy that was blocked by Freddie Freeman in the Dodgers system. Oh, and by the way, he was a Blue Jay. Who was blocking him there? Vlad Guerrero Jr. So now he comes here and he has a chance to play every day. And he's Well, Vladdy may have been third at the time. But <laughs> yeah, all right. I see where you're going. Oh, so all right, Justin Smoke then. Justin Smoke. Where is Justin? He was a uh, Ranger and then a uh, – is he playing? I don't I think, think so. He was a Mariner. He was a uh, yeah, Mariner. He was a uh, original three true outcome guy. I can get back on that in a minute because <laughs> um, I got I got more. I've got more. It's good news, by the way. It really is like I I I like to listen to things and then I'm gonna, what do I like it? Do I not like it? And then I want to put my spin on it. And I'm putting my spin on the Moneyball era is slowly but surely coming to an end. But back to Geloff, the fact that it's going to be announced, I believe, tomorrow. Noda. Uh, 
I said Gallup. Yeah. Noda. We, I know Gallup's having such, a, having such a great rookie year. Is going to be the win the Catfish Hunter Award. To do that as a rookie, no one's ever done that, and that's a Rule 5 pick. But I told him, I said, man, this is going to be your clubhouse. And we want to talk to you during the offseason. We want to, we're going to have all these young players on with us in the offseason. We are going to grow with this club. We're going to grow with these kids. There's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. Like your own kids. Sometimes you got to discipline your kids. Sometimes, you're, sometimes your kids do something that you don't like. But you got to discipline them so that they don't make those mistakes so they lead a better go through a better and lead a better path through life so there's going to be ups and downs with these kids but we want to be there every step with them here on A's Cast and our talk show A's Cast Live and they're all in this is a far different bunch than Chapman, Olsen, Pender when all these guys were coming up you know God God love Marcus Simeon but Marcus Simeon's not a media darling great guy great guy and he'd come on but Marcus Simeon wasn't like, hey, man, I want to have my own show. Like, all these kids would love to have a weekly show, which that could be in the process. That could be in the future. This is a, this is a hardworking, fun, skilled group that has personality. These kids got personality. We want to bring that to you and really keep that going in the offseason. But Ryan Noda, mark my words, slowly but surely – becoming a big cog, a big leader inside the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, and I agree with you about the young player. Like, when you talk about guys in their interviews, I think every young guy we've had on, they've been a good interview. Easton Lucas, I know he was just sent down today. He was good. Joe Boyle was out. I thought Joe Boyle was very good. A very gave, gave very thoughtful answers. And growing, watching this team grow as long as we keep growing this on with AceCast and AceCast Live, it's going to be great because we're going to keep seeing more younger guys come up. you still got Hernandez down there, Brett Harris. Um, who am I forgetting? Max Muncie. So there's a lot of young guys. It's not like we're bringing in veteran guys. It's like we're the Yankees, and we just keep bringing in veteran free agents. Stop. And I'm glad you're there, because how much time we got? Oh, well, we got 20 minutes, so Katze. All right. I've been railing for two years about young players. And I have a feeling that a lot of people who've worked in this game for a long time are having a hard time with this because the affinity of the, the older player, he's been in the big leagues for years, he's a baseball guy, back of the baseball card, yada, yada, yada. That's how the game has always been. Well, younger players are getting better and better and better. Younger players through the generations are playing less other sports. They're playing more baseball. They're playing higher levels of baseball year-round. These kids are training year-round. These kids are playing travel ball. They're playing in, in showcases. They're playing in more pressure situations than ever before. So when a 21, 22, 23-year-old gets here, they're not as intimidated as they used to be. Takes time, but they're pretty much like, all right, let's go. Like, Lawrence Beller does not look like a fish out of water. At times, hit two under, struggling. But I'm not going to be shocked. Give him the taste this year. Let him go train mentally and physically to get ready for it and see what he does next year. 
Well, on that note, percentage of position players war, not a perfect metric, but we all understand it's a counting metric. You add a bunch of things up, gives you a good idea of how a player competes with everything, right? Because base running's in here, defense is in here, everything is in here. So for players 24 or younger, how much better? Let's go back to 03. 03 were good years. 02 was the money ball year. What do you think the overall war, or I should say the percentage of position players war for players 24 or younger was in 2003? The percentage of, so pretty much how many young guys are playing at that time in their war? Um, I'd say it's probably less than 40%. Well, they're, they're, what they're, the percentage of what their wars would be. Oh. You added them up. So what their, what their average war would be. Yeah. For all of them. 4.1. 8.3. Oh, wow. It was way off. All right. What do you think it is this year? Well, it's going to be higher. There's more young guys. It's going to be higher. Uh, percentage. Is it over 20? It's 19.5. Young players are playing at a higher clip and being more productive, hitting, fielding, running, throwing, everything than ever before. You better get on that train, bro. Better get on that train because if you're not on that train, as the quote I had from an executive that Joel Sherman did the piece that broke today on the, uh, in the New York Post, the game is changing with the new rules. Everyone is trying to get younger and more athletic. Here is, one, here is one thing I can guarantee. You are not getting younger or more athletic in free agency. Fact. Think about that. Yet, you're going to go out there and you're going to give Correa, Bogarts, just go down the line, all these guys that we saw at the winter meetings last year. You're going to give them big years, money, well into their 30s and some into their 40s. You're guaranteeing that you're not getting younger, more athletic, and you're guaranteeing you're going to get stuck with money that is just going to be worthless. Like what you see today with Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera's money has been worthless for literally six years. Isn't that what we added it up to? Yeah, 20, was this 2016 was his last good year, so seven years now. 26 is the year I think he hit like 30 jacks and had 100 and something RBIs and he hit three, three something. He hasn't been good since then. Uh, I mean, unreal. And Cabrera, in his case, I mean, Detroit's starting to get better, but what's the, look at Detroit. They're much younger now with all their young guys. I know Riley Green's out with Tommy John surgery, but a lot of their young guys are starting to play. Their pitchers. Mark Kotze brought up a really good point about Tarek, uh, Tarek Skubal, the the left-handed left-handed pitcher who had gave up like 35 home runs last year, and then this year he's gotten better and he's limited his home runs, and it's kind of something J.P. Sears can model. So a lot of these teams starting to get younger in baseball is probably a really good thing, and and the Braves are the model. And I know I'm talking to myself, but the the Braves are the model to follow in, in baseball right now due to. Their ability to re-sign all their guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., like Matt Olson, Austin Riley, 
Sean Murphy, Ozzie Albies. They, they're all under contract for numerous years, and the highest-paid guy is Matt Olson, and he makes $21 million. They're the team. Yeah, it's great what the Orioles did and the Cubs and the Astros with the tanking and all that, but it's what the Braves are doing with the, the way they resigned all their young guys and they're keeping them through their 20s, and none of them a lot are going to be around in their early, mid-30s. They're all going to be uh, contracts are going to be over. The Braves have done it the right way over the last couple of years with the guys they've resigned. I think teams should start following that model more instead of going out and signing Trey Turner to a huge deal and Bogarts and Correa and what other shortstop was. Uh, I know Corey Seager's having a good year, but he was last year, but guys like that. I, no one's going to dispute you, but no circumstance is the same. Correct, yeah. So that is kind of – when you say that, How's everybody going to do that? It's just investing in your youth. Well, they're not all their players. So how, how, how can I mimic, like, how do I mimic what the, I mean, think about, think, about, think about what we say in baseball from a business standpoint. You just said, I think everybody should do it the Braves way. Last year, two years ago, everybody should do it the Astros way. Then you got people say, everybody should do it the way the Dodgers do it. They've all do it, done it differently. No, yeah. so, so what do I do? Yeah, it's so true. I'm a business. You've just told me I need to do it the Braves way. Well, you told me two years ago I need to do it the Astros way, and then you say I need to do it the Dodger way. So which way do I do it? I think honestly, for as lo- my consultant here, which way do I do it? <laughs> I think if you're looking at, it, I, th- I think the Braves have done it the, the best because of all their their cores young. Where the Astros? Why have they done it the best though? How, they, they've done it better than LA. Well, Mookie and Freeman aren't what I – well, Mookie's like 30, but uh, – Not everybody there with the with – the, uh, Well, now now they're guys that are coming up, but they're not re-signed. Like, yeah, they, they've done a not great job. Not everybody with Atlanta's theirs. True. I mean, a couple of guys aren't. I mean. And let's face it, you want to get really down and dirty. They did a lot of international signings. They got their last GM barred for life. No, no, he's back now. No, he's back? Yeah, they let him back in. He's got. He's hired. I don't know if he got a job, but I think he's yeah. he's going to get the a job. The guy that ran the Atlanta Braves that was shoveling all that international money. I mean, did Acuna sign under that guy? Oh, I think he might have got. Well, he he resigned his extension. It was like eight for one twenty or whatever. No, no, it was. no, no, no. Did he oh, sign with the organization I think under I, that guy? I would. I'd have to look, but I'm going to assume yes. Was the Albi signed under that guy? Yeah. So is that really the model? Well, I mean, the Astros went out and just throw out all that I'm not questioning you, but I I I am questioning you. And it goes back to the Astros. Everybody tries to act like the Astros are built because they last and have these draft picks when two out of the the four of those draft picks didn't work. Nothing didn't work. They didn't even sign. I mean, so everybody, it's, it's these narratives that people try and buy into. The Astros weren't built purely off that. And then in L.A., well, L.A.'s the model. Well, does everybody have L.A.'s TV contract? Does L.A. have their population? Does everybody have that type of? No. So it's tough for, to say this is the model you got to have. If you're, it's it, all I'm saying. Yeah, no, if you're going to follow. It's, it's not a one. It's, this is not Halloween, and I go into spirit Halloween, and the costume says one size fits all. It doesn't work that way. And you can't say follow the Rays model or what the Brewers are doing, small market teams, because they're trying to – baseball wants to limit how much money you spend in R&D now. What, so is, the, what, what, is, what is the Rays model? Just find a bunch of random, nameless, faceless relievers and what, – What's their model in position players? Uh, you've, a lot of their guys now are their young draft picks now. 
like Mead and the guy they called up to. Well, they got him from Cleveland, but he came up through yeah, the system. Yeah, came from Cleveland. They, they, a bunch of their guys they get from somewhere else. Yeah. They're wheelers and dealers. Josh Lowe, not Lau, Lowe. Brandon Lau and Josh Lowe. Because you go to Lowe's <laughs> to get, but you go to Lau. This thing, they uh, had three different guys in their system with the same last name, and one guy said it differently than the other two. But just think about it. It's always a hodgepodge, kind of what we used to do. But they really just, it's always players moving around. The Rays have always been about players moving around. I mean, you really look at the majority of the guys that have played for them. The majority of them are guys they have not drafted. Tyler Glass now. Pirate. I mean, you can go around. All, all, all the All the pitchers that they've had for all these years, how many were guys that they drafted? The only guy I can think of right now that's on the team this year is Taj Bradley. Shane Boz, when Boz was there, Pirate. Um, who else have they used this year? Uh, Jeffrey Springs, not theirs. What was the guy, second, he almost had a perfect game, second Tommy John. Uh, Brewer great, Drew Rasmussen. There you go. None of them are their guys. Yeah. All the relievers are guys that they picked up off the scrap heap. A lot of them have been injured before. I said the Brewers. So what's their model? Yeah. Get injured guys and rehab guys and they, they just take, they, move guys and they just followed the the A's model from the early two thousands the Moneyball where you just find a guy you find a guy and market inefficiencies and you make them better they they've done that where they find a guy like we do we find a guy like Corbin we find a guy who wasn't that great with the Phillies he comes here he's great he goes somewhere else not that great right now for the Orioles but we found something in him to make him good for us what's the Brewers model pitch and not hit uh, Mark Canna's having a great second half for them but yeah I mean. Give big money to Yelich. Good luck with that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's finally having a rebound here. <laughs> but Brewers haven't hit. No, and they're, a lot of their – I mean, some of their pitches are there. So Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, those are their, those are their guys. But their, their whole model, too, is their first-round picks haven't hit. I mean, we wonder to think of how many guys are they drafted in the first round that are not even in the organization or played for them. I mean, you've got a couple guys now that are there. It goes back to there isn't a one-size-fits-all. No, there, there is. just isn't. It's not like draft the quarterback and you got a chance. Draft a star player in the NBA, you got a chance. It just doesn't work that way in baseball. And all the markets are different, right? Everybody's dealing. Like, you, you're never going to be able to say Pirates can do it the, the, the Dodger way. Dodgers are always going to be, and they've always been able to do this. They have more money. They have more money, and they've always been something better than what the Yankees have been is their farm system. Dodgers' farm system forever has been bringing people up. I mean, you can go back to the, the the Dodger infield that they all were together. When you're talking about, you're talking about you had Say, you had Russell, you had Lopes, you had Garvey. I mean, you can go to them when you had Caros and you had uh, Mondesi and Green, Piazza, and, yeah. and all those guys. I mean, they've all they've been generating Rookie of the Years and all these guys for so long. But they've always have the money too. Now they have Altman and guys. I mean, you want to go the Padres route where you just have an owner who. Feels like any day on earth can be the last day, and he's just going to spend whatever he spends to try and win. Yeah, you want to go that model? Plus, he's had another procedure done like last week or something like that. You want to go that model and be that so in deep that now people are like, ooh, we got problems here. Speaking of the Padres, real quick, uh, <clears throat> will they finish with a better record than the Giants? They're only game behind them in the win, the win column. In reality, it doesn't matter. But since we're trolls, <laughs> okay, it's a troll comment. It, we have to be truthful. I mean, enjoying the Giants' failure down the stretch is very troll-like, which we're not above. <laughs> we're not above. Um, does it matter in the baseball world if the Padres finish ahead of the Giants? No. Would we love it? Yes. 
Yes. All of a sudden, our friends across the bay aren't the smartest guys in the world. They were the smartest guys in the room, but now they've been pushed back. Yeah. They are not. They've won. Tw- they've lost 26 of 31 on the road. And this is, oh, they got the easy part of the schedule. Uh, and, and, and by the way, if you're the Dodgers, you're not really. Well, the Dodgers, are they playing for the best record, though, right? Uh, yeah, they, I, mean, I think they, start, they can still catch the Braves for best record. Well, yeah, and, no doubt. I mean, well, we, we still got, what, 10 or 9 games left. Yeah, they, the Giants. There's a lot of time left. The, Do- the Giants have three against the Dodgers still. Um, they're also on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, then they come home, and I forget who they play. Um, I think they play the Padres again. And I think they play the Dodgers again, too. Atlanta's got 98, so they'd have to go in the tank now. So that's because like, Dodgers have 94. But anyway, the Dodgers, don't you want to just take your rival and just you, forget putting your thumb on them. You want to flush the toilet. I'm flushing them down the toilet. See you later. For the Padres, since we were talking about them, the Padres need to win eight of their last nine games with the Cubs, to go, Cubs need to go three and six. The Reds need to split their final four games or worse, and the Marlins need to lose at least five of their final nine. This is all for the Padres to get in. Why are you even wasting my time? Because everyone now. What? No, everyone. not everyone. No, no, not. This is your world. Your world. Not everyone is sitting here talking about how the Padres are going to be in. No, they are not. No, they are not. Padres are done. Not happening. I'm just rooting for them to have a better record than the Giants now. That's fine. They're not making the playoffs. I'm also happy the Pirates are single-handedly trying to ruin the Cubs. You know what the real question is? Does this late run mean Bob Melvin will be back next year? That is a legitimate question. I I thought he was – after reading those articles. It's not good. A.J. Preller, Bob Melvin relationship is not good. But part of it is, like anything else, is how do we do this thing day-to-day, different eye-to-eye philosophy, whatever it is. I mean – Bob Melvin has said, hey, we're now doing it my way and we're winning. So does that say Bob Melvin? Because if you're A.J. Preller or you're any executive, how many managers do you get? How can you go to, we're going to the young manager. Up, oh, we're going to the super analytical manager. Oh, we've got to go to the veteran guy. We need the veteran guy, which is Melvin. Like how many different managers can you get before the owner has to finally say, huh, maybe it's not the manager, maybe it's the psychopath who's running the team. If, he, if Bob moves on or he fires Bob, whatever happens to San Diego, that would be his sixth manager he would have to hire in 10 years. Six managers? They've gone through How 20. How do you get six managers? And they've gone through uh, 29 coaches and managers since he's been there. How do you get right, six here, managers? Here's the six. I'll name them. Bud Black, uh, Pat Murphy's the interim, Andy Green, Jace Tingler, Bob Melvin. If you move on from Bel- Melvin, you'll have your sixth manager in 10 years. That's unbelievable. That, to me, is more a question than if they're going to make the play. If they make the playoffs, wow. I mean, basically everybody has to tank. And if you're banking on every, eh, is it possible? Sure. But I'll tell you what, these last few games, eight straight games we haven't led, can't go out like this. Because yeah, no. I know we're, we're, we're winding down here. What time do we have to go to? Uh, a couple minutes. Uh, the, the guy pitching for the uh, Detroit, I, I know I'm forgetting his name. It's a hyphenated last name. Uh, Sawyer's I have it. Hold on. Pitching for the Tigers? Yeah, tonight isn't it uh It is Sawyer Gibson, Sawyer Gibson Long. 
They there, have there, a Sawyer. Get, yeah, Sawyer there's your law, there's your law firm pitch starting pitcher. You can't be a law firm as a starting pitcher. <laughs> that is just not right. What do we got? We got Waldy. Yeah, Waldachuk. Yeah. Waldy actually, you know what? Ken Waldachuk. There were some good notes in there about him. Yeah, Ken Waldachuk has thrown the ball well. Just that bad outing his last time up, but he came in as the the bulk guy. Waldachuk, an ERA of one point nine one. Previous seven appearances, six starts, a two ten batting average against, five home runs. After the break, he's had a three eight eight. He's another one of the guys that you just wonder, like stuff's there. And maybe just make, oh, wow, items of the game. We have a big TV right here. I don't mean to be excited, but items that get 50% off. I, I have the one. I bought that. Well, I thought we each bought that hood. That maybe we got the same hoodie last year, that sleeveless one. They got some good. Hey, by the way, the deals are flying ten, around here. Ten cell tomorrow for everyone. Tomorrow, but ten cell. Emo said to us that the work done right now, the teaching being done right now, you should see it really start to play next year. As you're implementing it now, takes time to learn. You take it, you work on it more in the offseason, then it comes to spring training, and you see if all of that time and everything that you've worked on has come together, and now he's truly getting it. Because it does take, when you make change, doesn't matter in all sports they talk about, when you're making any type of physical change, it takes time for you to get it and to be able to repeat it, to be able to repeat it under pressure. And I believe with, with, with Emo, it's going to be in time. We'll see it. Ken Waldachuk's one of those guys. At least we're starting to see a vast improvement of an ERA that was 6.63 before the break. Now it's 3.88. Obviously, he's kind of all over the place. Mechanics can kind of get a little wild on him. Feel gets a little wild on him. But when Ken Waldachuk is on, Ken Waldachuk has the, has the type of stuff. He can mow through lineups. He goes on that list of guys that are part of the solution next year at spring training. Yeah, he's one of the guys I'm excited for because he's been good his, the second half of the year. You want to see J.P. Sears next year. Mason, what happens with Mason Miller, Joe Boyle. We saw got to see Joey Estes. There's a lot of guys that we're, we're excited about going into next year and we're hopefully going to see another good outing from Ken Waldachuk to build off of. Because we saw how great he was at the end of the year last year in that start against the Angels, the last game of the year against Otani, and we were hoping that carried over and it didn't start off, and then now he's, he was the bulk guy in the opener, and, and hopefully he finds that rhythm the last couple starts going into next year. All righty, we're here for Marcotze. Well, real quick before we go, I want to tell they're not even sitting there, um, but congratulations to our interns, Mar- Marcus and Renee. They did a great job for us all year. Um, I just want to thank them for all their hard work and um, wish them. There's one. Yeah, there's yeah, there. There they are. Well, you can't see come them. Come over like, here. Come on, yeah, come on. This is our crack staff. What that, were you doing in the closet? There's chargers in there, so. Well, yeah, I'll get out of the way here. You guys are hanging out in the closet. I mean, I just. These, these, this is our crack staff that. Well, I always have to double check their work, but this is our crack staff that gets things done. That's them. Go ahead. Tell them what you're saying as they were oh, they in heard the closet me. They're, they're, doing something. No, they're listening, they're listening to the show back there. You guys there, can so. hear it in the closet? Yeah. yeah. They're on their laptops. Okay. Of course you are. Of, of course they are. Of course they are. <laughs> so thank you guys for, for a, a job well done this year. And uh, best of luck in your future endeavors. I know it sounds like we're firing you, but we're not. You know what's so interesting <laughs> is that you'll never be around a year this bad ever again in your career. 
I mean, it would really be hard to find a year this bad. Put him on a head. What? What? what put him on a headset. What, we got a headset for him. What do you want to do? What do you want to do long term? What is your dream job? Well, I'm leaving Monday to go to Hawaii Pacific University to be their assistant AD there. Nice. Yeah, so be in charge of their. You're uh, going to the Big Island. The Big Island. Yeah, home of Rico Garcia. Home of you need to uh, start figuring out some like where we can get rooms and play golf. Oh kinda. yeah, that's yeah. That, that's your. No, I'm gonna get my. Uh, I'm all for the getting these kids educated playing ball. Hey, yeah. you got to figure out Hawaii trip. I fly over. I, oh yeah. I'll take care of your golf. I'll take no, care. If I, if I get you just got to find the deals. Yeah. No, if I get my uh, Hawaiian driver's license, uh, golfing at those places is only thirty bucks. Uh, mahalo. We mahalo. just start saying yeah. mahalo to mahalo, everybody. Yeah. But. Oh, shit. Sorry. You threw an S-bomb <laughs> out on the show? <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's my first time. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. But uh, as far as what I'm going to do, I'm going to really just focus on my uh, – well, Cody knows I run my own magazine outside of this, and I own, like, a business. So I'm going to be focusing on that for, like, now, just putting money into that and making money from that. So – yeah. Thought you're gonna focus on helping us. That's where the big money is. We gotta talk to Delaire. That's where the big money is. We gotta talk to Delaire about that. Well, now that he swore, you know what? You're fired. Yeah. Now you're throwing <laughs> s bombs out on the air. You can't swear on this program. It's, it's a family-friendly program. I'm sorry. Good thing we can edit it out for the podcast. We can. We can always edit this out. You guys did a great job. Thanks for everything. All right. Coming up next, the Mark Kotze show. And then Cody will take you the rest of the way. I got to go to a high school football game. It's homecoming at my kid's high school. I'll be back for the postgame show for A's Total Access. I mean, for A's Clubhouse. Jessica Kleinschmidt will have A's Total Access for you. Brought to you by Chevron. Our last time at the Treehouse. Thank you, everybody, for watching A's Cast Live. Your skipper is up next, and we'll see everybody on Tuesday. What time Tuesday? Because we're in Minnesota. 2 o'clock. Tuesday, 2 o'clock, Ace Cast Live will be back. But up next, the Marcotte Show. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. For the Mark Kotze Show right here on A's Cast Live, brought to you by nestbedding.com and Nest Betting. Check out their location in the Bay Area or you go online, nestbedding.com for all your betting needs, your mattress, your pillows, your sheets. Go to nestbedding.com, the mattress that Mark Kotze and his family sleeps on. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I appreciate you coming in, stopping in the office on a Friday afternoon. I'm sad. This is our last in-person Mark Kotze show. Next week, we'll be on the road. You'll be in Anaheim. So, you know, at the end of the season, no matter how the season has gone, really good, really bad, however, the the last ones are always, you know, because you're going to go away from AceCast for a while. (laughs) Yes, um, you know, obviously it's been fun. Um, these these 
you know, interviews are great. We get to talk about the team. We get to talk about, you know, the guys as individuals, um, you know, what they go through in a season, uh, what they've learned from the season. I think we can touch on that today, that that room out there, uh, there's a lot of guys that haven't been through a 162-game season um, in their careers, and uh, they're, they're finding out how, how difficult that rigor is, uh, both physically and mentally. Yeah, I talked to Ryan Noda yesterday, and it was just a quick, brief thing. It wasn't on the air. It was off the air. And I just said, you know, this is, you know, becoming your guys' clubhouse now. And, you know, I hope you guys are angry that you're losing, that you get tired of it. And he gave me, oh, yeah, yeah, next year we're going to be ready. Like, they're fine. So it's like the young guys, just talk about that process of there's nothing wrong with young guys getting their butt kicked. We've all done it in life. But you need to learn from doing that. And I got a feeling that your young guys in that clubhouse are realizing we don't want to go through this anymore. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a single quote up on the wall um, that says champions aren't born, they're built. And, you know, that they can use defeat to learn more than what they would when things are easy. And, uh, you know, Ryan Noda was selected as the Catfish Hunter Award winner. And I know that all A's fans that are loyal to this, you know, organization understand what that means. I mean, Catfish Hunter not only was a great teammate, but the passion that he displayed on the field, um, you know, how he represented the organization. And it's a pretty big honor for Ryan Noda to, to have been given that. It's voted on by his teammates and the staff members. Um, and uh, we presented to him yesterday. Um, it's a great accomplishment. It really is. He's, I think he's the first rookie this award's been given to uh, in 20 years. Well, and also think about it. He's a Rule 5 guy. A Rule 5 guy means you select him from another organization. You may or may not keep him. I mean, to have a Rule 5 guy win that award speaks volumes about Ryan Noda. Yeah, it does. It speaks vol- volumes about Ryan Noda, and it, it speaks a lot about you know identifying a player outside of this organization that we could bring in um, with great values and and you know those those qualities that that aren't always measured, right? The uh, the EQ qualities that uh, go overlooked sometimes. All right, two pitchers I want to talk about. I think it's important that we got to see Boyle and Estes, and we'll see Boyle again pitch on Saturday. I know for me, the fact that we're going to be talking about them all, all off season, that we actually got to see the guys, see what they look like, see what they have. From a manager standpoint, obviously you get reports, you get video, but to have them in your clubhouse, to talk to them, to manage them, to see them, how important was it for you to get a look at these two guys who could play a big part uh, in your rotation, maybe next season? Yeah, no, I think it's been great. You know, um, Boyle's start, uh, you know, obviously we, we limited him in his innings. We took him out after the third inning. Um, we felt as if we wanted to build this kid's confidence. You know, he um, came with the reputation of not being able to throw strikes. You know, he was a 48% strike thrower. Uh, we saw something different and we saw a lot that we can work with. The kid's got great mechanics. He's got a good arm stroke. Um, you know, I think that there's a point, um, you know, through his career in the minor leagues that that he was trying to make the perfect pitch as opposed to just making the pitch. And so we've got a lot to work with with that kid. He's got an explosive fastball. He's got two breaking balls. He's very confident as well. Uh, you ask him about, you know, a changeup. Are you having you throwing a changeup? Because I don't need one. Well, you might need one here. Okay. So, uh, and then, you, you know, you talk about Estes on the other end, uh, a strike thrower, right? He got some swing and miss on his fastball in zone, which is a good sign. Plus, plus changeup. 
uh, great mound presence. And don't forget, he's, he's 21, so he's a lot younger than Boyle is. Uh, and his debut is made uh, alongside Tyler Soderstrom, who's also 21. And you don't see that in the big leagues very often, you know, a battery that uh, was is 21 years old. Are you shocked? And I wasn't even going to go – I didn't plan on going this way, but I'm going to bring this up because you mentioned the 21-year-olds. We're seeing in baseball right now, whatever you make of war, it's it's a stat that's not perfect, obviously. But we're seeing with 25 and younger, 23 and younger, some of the highest overall wars for young players combined in the game than we've ever seen before. This game is going young. This game is going athletic. So as much as everybody loves their veteran guys and they love free agency, the game is going young. So when you – so. Tell me how you feel about the young players because this is this is the trend and it's not changing. No, I think, you know, it is going younger. I do think that, you know, it takes time to develop young players. And when you're in that process, the word patience has to be present, um, as, you know, especially with a group that, you know, when you think about the Atlanta Braves and you think about the Oakland A's and, you know, you talk about the youth. I mean, those guys started at some point in the major leagues and have matured into the type of players that they are now. Um, you know, for the group that we have here, um, you know, there isn't a a true veteran player that's that you know, has had an eight to 10 year career that can provide that knowledge with them. We've got, you know, guys like Tony Kemp, guys like Aledmus Diaz, they've had six years, but they, you know, weren't everyday players. They weren't graduated, you know, from, from day one as rookies to free agent players that have signed big contracts that are, you know, meant to carry a team. So, um, you know, the game's gone younger. There's no doubt it's gotten more athletic with the rule changes, the, sh- the limiting of the shifting and you know, the ability to steal bases. So I- I'm not surprised by the transition at all. You use the word patience, something a lot, a lot of us don't have. I mean, it's just a reality in life. Human beings, we're not real patient people. And having patience is really like a gift. Some people call it a skill, a learned skill. <laughs> uh, I don't have it. You yeah. don't have it. Yeah. So you use that word. How does Mark Kotze, I mean, I, I don't see any dents in the walls or anything, but like, like, how do you, you're not a, I've known you a long time. You're not a patient, patient guy. So how does that work for you? Did you miss that one over there? I didn't see that one. Okay. Is it covered up? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's one. The, okay. Uh, there's only one. There was the, the ejection the other night on the check swing that that uh, was a full swing. Why didn't you go so. out to the first base coach and get your money? Well, because because I knew that there would be consequences if I went across the field that I probably didn't want to endure um, at this point in the season. Um, you know, Culpa and I go back, and that's why he was yelling my name and so loud and Cots, clearly, I mean, you yeah. could hear it, yeah. I mean, we both have been in, in the league for 26 years, and we came in together. So I've got a great relationship with him, and he knew that he was protecting me at that point from going out there and, and getting my full money's worth, um, which would have been even more money's worth, if you know where I'm going. Yes. And, um, yeah, so that point I, I kind of uh, I kind of let, you know, Ron – help me in that situation. But um, patience, you know, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm patient in, in certain things. Um, I understand, you know, the, the processes that, that we need to go through 
to get to be successful with this group. And, uh, you know, yet when there's mistakes that are made that, that we should have learned from, then I lose my patience. And I think that was one of them the other last night on a cutoff and relay where Geloff's out of position the ball goes by the second baseman and we look like, you know, we don't know what we're doing. And, and so that's when I lose my patience in games of that, uh, when we make mistakes in game like that, that I know, you know, we have to be better than. I always think, why not go all Lou Pinella? Just pick up the bag, throw the bag, yell at the first base umpire. You ever thought about that? Just letting loose. I mean, Aaron Boone's probably the closest. Uh, that We're that savages. To, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> you ever thought about that? It would be hilarious. You know, I think when you're that emotional at that time, and I know I've used some pretty bad language, it, it gets pretty loud and broadcasted, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I've never gone to the point where I want to, you know, bring a bat out and, or draw a line or get on the ground or yeah. Uh, going into spring training. I think it's a big deal. I talked to Scott Emerson about this and I want to get your take on it. I think JP Sears, cause you were known as a player that no matter what, no matter how bad your back was, no matter you want to play the best ability is availability. You wanted to play no matter what JP Sears struggled in August I even had my own producer going, he needs to be shut down. I'm like, no, he needs to learn. And the way he's pitched in September, he gets to 30 starts. He's going to get more than 30 starts. I think he walks into spring training next year, and everybody in the organization is going to go, that guy got 30 starts. He went to the post. Even the minor leaguers are going to look at JPC. Tell me what that means, that you got a starting pitcher that said, you know what, every single time I wanted him, he was there for me. Or What does that mean for this organization? Yeah, no, I think you, you said it very well in terms of how he's going to be looked at and in, uh, going into spring training with the, the younger guys. Um, you know, some of the guys that'll be in camp with us that, um, you know, maybe thinking that they can have an opportunity to make this roster and, and impact it. But for JP, not only did he, you know, make 30 starts and 30 plus starts um, going forward, but uh, that says a lot about his character, his durability. Um, and like you said, it, it shows his teammates that, Hey, I'm here, I'm on a post and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and, and, uh, and, you know, make every start I can um, finish the season and be prepared for next year. Going on the offensive note, Brent Rooker hit his 28th home run. A lot of home runs, not a lot of RBIs to go with that. A lot of strikeouts. It's an interesting year to look at. How do you evaluate Brent Rooker's year? Because let's, even though he's 28, this is his first real full big league season. It's funny you bring that up. I talked about it yesterday with the staff in terms of just how we evaluate this because, as you said, it's his first full season. We can go speak about that with a lot of guys in that room. You know, Estuary Ruiz is another player. It's his first full season. Like, um, the adjustments that need to be made that we feel like can, you know, help him be more of an impact player, help him drive the baseball. Um, I think we've we started discussing that. And uh, But for Rook, you know, 28 homers, uh, exceptional year. Like you said, you know, he's struggling with runners in scoring position, which can, I think, be improved. Um, you know, a lot of people say runners in scoring position are a product of just, you know, where guys are. And um, I don't buy really, it. It's not really yeah, a learned trait or a learned skill. Is that right? how you but felt as an offensive player? It's not necessarily how I feel. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, it's an area that we need to prove in, not just Rook, but, but as a group, as a club. They, these kids need to understand what it means and how to do it and uh, how to be successful at it. So when you're sitting around at the house, it's Fridays, it's October, it's November. 
Are you going to be like looking at your phone going, where are the A's cast live guys? You're going to be thinking about it. <laughs> well, October I'll be watching baseball, um, you know, watching these playoff teams and, and working on, you know, next year and the preparation that goes into uh, going into spring training with, with goals, with ideals and, uh, you know, structure built from, you know, obviously what we've done here and what I know we need to improve on. And we'll get more into that next week, next Friday in Anaheim. Thanks for everything. We'll do our final goodbyes on Friday, but uh, finish up strong. All right. Thanks, Tom. The Mark Kotze Show brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out their location in the Bay Area, or you go online, nestbetting.com for your bed, the mattress, the pillows, the sheets, everything, nestbetting.com. And that was A's manager Mark Kotze. That's going to do it for A's Cats Live, our final show from the Treehouse 2023 style. We want to thank Mark Kotze. Ace historian David Feldman and Lawrence Butler for stopping by. Jessica Kleinschmidt standing by next for Ace Total Access brought to you by Chevron. You'll hear from Lawrence Butler, Mark uh, Scott Emerson, Brent Roker. And we'll be back on Tuesday for Ace Cast Live at 2 o'clock before the series against the Twins. Have a great weekend, everyone. And thank you for watching and listening to Ace Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better. All thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.